Hey out there, quarantineagers. This is your friendly neighborhood storyteller, AJ Hannenberg, coming at you with another story from the Decameron. If you are new to this podcast, this is not how we usually do things. Usually there's three of us, and the other two gentlemen are quarantined away from me, which means I get to run the episodes from now on, and they... They can't stop me. I can do whatever I want to. I could put a duck noise in here. I'm not gonna because I don't wanna. And that's all me. Uh, So if you're new, go check out something else before the whole quarantine thing started. If you're not new, here is story number 10 coming at you from the Decameron. So the Decameron is split into 10 days, each with 10 stories apiece. And this is the last story of day one. So... Pampanea, the queen of the day, was the final one that needed to tell the story. And she said, Worthy young ladies, just as heaven is decorated with stars on cloudless nights, and the green meadows are brightened with flowers in the spring, so good manners and pleasant conversation are adorned with clever quips. And then Pampanea goes on this really long rant about how women nowadays can't say a smart thing to save their lives. And it, it kind of rings sexist, but luckily it's coming from the voice of a woman all in the story, although it is written by a man, it gets, it gets confusing after a little while. So in any case, she kind of dresses down all the current women of the court and how they are really bad at understanding witticisms. And even if they do understand them, they don't really know how to, un- how to respond, which is sort of a so- source of shame. She's like, we once be- used to be able to do it, but... Now we've sort of replaced our skill with quips and conversation with adorning our body and making it pretty, right? And we forget that the if the only thing of consequence is our clothes, what we put on our backs, well, a whole lot more could fit on a donkey and than on any any of the women's, and yet no one would respect them as anything more than a donkey. And so the overdressed and dolled up women of the day in their heavy makeup stand around like marble statues mute and insensible, and if someone happens to ask them a question, they respond in such a way that it would have been much better for them to have not said anything at all. But they are convinced that their inability to engage in conversation with gentlemen and ladies derives from the purity of their minds, and they have given the name of honesty to their dullness, as though it was the only job of honest women to remain silent and then talk sometimes to their maids and washerwomen. So, she kind of says, complains about women for a while. And then she says, well, today's last story, which it falls to me to tell in order to teach you, I'm going to tell it in order to teach you how to protect yourselves from the axiom that is on, you know, the tip of the tongue of everyone in town. And that's that women always make the worst choice. Now, remember, this is not AJ Hannenberg saying this. This was apparently an axiom floating around 1300s Florence. So if you'd like to ignore it, you are more than welcome to. It's been a while. Everyone that thought it was dead. So, you know, you've you've got a little room there to uh, judge them and they can't really say anything about it. All right, moving on. Here's the actual story. So it happens that there was a distinguished doctor named Master Alberto, and he was pretty famous and he was living in Bologna. And honestly, he could still be living there at the time of the story, though he was 70. But his heart could still burn in the flames of love, though the heat of his body was gone. So one day, during festival, he caught sight of a totally smoking hot gorgeous widow named Malgerida de Gossileri. And, of course, he was drawn to her. He fell in love, 
and his heart burned such that if he didn't see her during the day, he couldn't even sleep at night. And I know you're probably imagining her as older. She was actually a lot younger. Malgerida was a young woman, even though she had been widowed at, at a young age. And so he started creeping on her really hard. He would, you know, kind of scope her out whenever she was hanging around, and he would go down her street, sometimes on foot, sometimes on horseback, kind of whatever, you know, however his fancy took him. And eventually, after seeing this doctor wander down her street so many times, she kind of figured it out what was going on. And she would joke with her friends about a man of such a great age and wisdom ensnared by such the, the love of youth. Uh, and, you know, it was as though they thought that love, the most delightful of the passions, could find a place only in the hearts of the young, which is ridiculous. Anyway, Master Alberto was regularly passing by when it happened that the widow and her friends were sitting outside her door. And they caught sight of him a ways off, and so they decided to you know, with, of course, the lady's approval and preparation, receive him in to make fun of the fact that he loved this woman. So they brought him in, they plied him with sweets, gave him a little wine, hung out in the courtyard, and then with the most elegant and courteous tongue, they asked how he had ever fallen in love with this beautiful young lady when he knew that so many young, handsome, well-born, lively young men had been courting her. And he heard himself mocked, although courteously, and he smiled broadly. And so he said to her, Lady, I'm sure he said it with a little more reverence than I just did, but I'm going to roll with it. Lady, the fact that I am in love should not provoke wonder in anyone who is wise, and especially not in you, considering how worthy you are of being loved. For although nature deprives older men of the powers that are required for love, it does not deprive them of a ready will or keep them from understanding that what they should love. On the contrary, they naturally know more about that subject since they have had more experience than young men do. Consequently, the hope that sustains an old man like me in loving you despite your being courted by so many young ones is something I've had the chance to observe often enough when I've been in places where ladies were making a light meal of lupines and leeks. Now, Although no part of the leek is any good, the part that is less objectionable and more pleasing to the palate is the head. And yet, led by some perverse appetite, you generally hold the head in your hands and eat the leaves, which are not only worthless, but also have an unpleasant taste. So how am I to know, my lady, whether you don't do the same thing when you choose your lovers? If that's the case, then I'm the one you should choose and all the others should be tossed away. So he essentially makes fun of the way she eats. He's like, I've been hanging around, I've seen you eat, and apparently you have no idea how to eat leeks, and they're gross anyway, so if you choose your men like you eat your leeks, then I've got some high hopes. She was embarrassed, and she said, Master Alberto, you've given us a courteous and very sound reprimand for our presumptuousness. Nevertheless, your love is still very precious to me, as that of a wise and worthy man truly ought to be. And therefore, since I am yours, you should feel free, my honor aside, to ask anything you wish. He stood, thanked her, and after taking a leave amid much laughter and merriment, departed. The lady, who thought she had was going to gain a victory over him and make him look like a fool, had underestimated the man she was making fun of. Be careful, all you young ladies, not to follow her lead. And when Pampanea was done... Uh, 
she had to sort of resolve the day. And she thought this hour when they were kind of chatting, which was kind of the after lunch heat of the day hour, would be a good time to assign the new ruler and let the ruler of the next day begin so that they can make plans for what, they're, what they'll do tomorrow. So she named Philomena as the second governor of the realm. So she was going to be the, the person in charge of the next day. She placed her laurel on Philomena's head and everyone pledged obedience to the new queen. Philomena remembered Pampanea's words in the just the last story. So in order not to appear like one of these ladies who only adorned their bodies and what was dull in the mind, she plucked up her courage and she said that she thought the day had been delightful. And so, you know, maybe they shouldn't make any changes so long as it didn't become tedious. So they were going to get up in the morning. Well, they were going to get up just then and amuse themselves. And at sunset, they were going to eat their supper out of doors, have a little entertainment. And then tomorrow morning in the cool, they were going to wake up amuse themselves some more. And then just as they did today, they're going to return at the appointed hour, the appointed hour to eat and dance. And then after they have gotten up from their midday nap, which is like, I, I thought, so personally, this is Hannenberg talking again. I think this is a great idea. Get up early, go and do your stuff, come back, have a, have a lunch, a little bit of entertainment, take a nap and then get up and do the rest of your day. I don't know why we don't do that. It sounds fantastic. I always have a hard time after lunch. I bet some of my students do as well. Anyway, then they come up from their nap and then they meet again to tell stories. And she says, but with one change, we should restrict the limits. We need to know the theme in advance so we can all think up good stories and we have time to bring something worthwhile to the table. So our next topic is going to be reversals of fortune, the whims of the goddess fortune. And let's choose to talk about people who have moved from dire circumstances to happy ones, right? Someone who has had a good reversal of fortune. Dionio raised his hand and he asked for an exception to, uh, so that he could speak on whatever he t- topic he chose. And she knew that Dionio was kind of a, a funny, chatty, well-meaning fellow. So she gave him the okay, considering that what he probably wanted to do was if they had a string of really somber stories or boring ones, he wanted the right to make them laugh at the end of the day and lighten things up before they all went to bed. So after everyone thought this was a great idea and they thought the topic was great, they all went swimming and then they ate dinner and then they danced and they sang and they were on the instruments. Loretta led the dance and Amelia sang a song and Dionio played the lute And the song is actually written out in the Decameron, and I'm not going to sing it for you. I thought about singing it to the the tune of uh, Pumped Up Kicks, but I only kind of know the chorus, so it would just be the chorus over and over again, so I'm going to avoid that. If you're interested, you can go read it. In fact, it mostly just confused all of the dancers. It seems to be a person sort of falling in love with themselves in the mirror. Scholars aren't sure what this could stand for. Maybe Maybe the liberal arts, maybe study, maybe... God himself. To me, it sounds a little bit like Narcissus. Who knows? Everyone was confused, but they all sang along and then they went to bed. And that is the end of day one of the Decameron. Thank you for joining me on this journey. I have tried to preserve the text as much as I can, uh, even in its pretty blatant occasional sexism. So please don't judge me for that. It's just the way the book was written. And I will see you next time for day two. Please note that I I know I missed a day. It's, you know, every once in a while I get get busy. 
I'm still teaching, and so please have a little grace as I try to get to these when I can. I'm going to stick with it. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to stay all the way through quarantine, but sometimes there'll be small gaps here and there as I just try to keep life going. All right. Oh, one last thing. There was a an iTunes reviewer that thanked me for doing this. Hey, thank you out there, iTunes reviewer. And by the way, I haven't given up on Genghis Khan. I'm still going to do Genghis I'm actually looking at the binder with the old translation in it right now. I just, I need to finish uh, Plato first and then you know, this whole Decameron thing happened. So it's still coming. I haven't given it up. It's on my list. So, you know, just uh, hold your horses, I guess. Anyway, glad you're listening and glad the rest of you are too. So have a great day. See y'all later. Bye. Oops, gotta hit the actual stop button.